0: Welcome to another episode of Up To. Nine years ago, Up To started as a live event series showcasing leaders who are as humble as they are successful. The humility piece is extremely important as we identify leaders who can inspire others. We try to focus our interviews on the non-business aspects of their lives. And in doing so, we have found there's a real thirst to explore their hearts and minds in atypical ways. Our host as always is Adam Kaufman and on this episode we are joined by Shelby Scarborough.
1: If you're a business owner, an executive or a rising member of a management team, I don't have to tell you about the importance of having team members and partners you can trust. A firm that I've worked with for years and have trusted myself to refer my colleagues to is VividFront an award-winning digital marketing, branding, and website development firm based in Cleveland, Ohio, but with clients all over America. VividFront's focus is on scaling brands digitally. They create holistic return on investment-centric strategies and solutions for middle market companies who wanna grow. They do paid advertising, influencer and social media marketing, e-commerce strategies, lead generation websites, I could go on. Their expertise is expansive and their tactful leadership team, all of whom I know, has the entrepreneurial experience to turn ideas into revenue producing business plans. Yes, I am reading a script but I will tell you that I sought Vivid Front out for this podcast because I already believed in them, seeing what they did in the marketplace. So if you're seeking a partner to take your business to the next level, or if you're looking for an opportunity to work for a top agency with an amazing culture, truly an amazing culture, check out their website at vividfront.com or send me a note and I'll introduce you to my friends who run the company there. Vivid Front, great organization. Our guest today has been a business owner, a White House team member, and a State Department executive. She's an author, a terrific public speaker, and now she's focusing much of her time creating a global MBA program for entrepreneurs. She had her first job flipping hamburgers, which we might jump into a little bit. And when I met her 20 years ago, she was serving as a leader among leaders in a global group of entrepreneurs called the Young Entrepreneurs Organization. She's a graduate of UCLA and also Harvard's renowned owner and president's program, and she's a constant learner, I can tell. She lives in the heart of Napa Valley in Northern California, but we're thrilled to have her in studio with us today. Shelby Scarborough, welcome to the Up To podcast. Thank
2: you so much, Adam. It's great to be here.
1: What have you been up to?
2: (laughs) Well, I've been traveling a little bit, trying to get in some friend time in Washington, D.C., and uh, I hosted an event just last night for... Uh, an organization I'm on the board of, called the Freedoms Foundation, which is a, a great organization uh, teaching the Constitution and history to high school students and high school teachers.
1: The Freedoms Foundation. Mm-hmm. So, how did you get involved with such a group? Are you a lawyer, or why? Why? No. Why, why? Why Freedoms? Well, who's against freedoms? Who's against, yeah,
2: who, who could be against freedoms? Right. Well, you'd be surprised. I think I know. there's quite a bit of it in the world today. Today, but you know, I, we've lost a lot of uh, the teaching in the high schools and junior highs and grammar schools about our history. And there's a lot of good, bad, and ugly about our history that we need to know and need to understand. So a friend of mine is the CEO of the organization. And when I you know, went up to Valley Forge, which is where it's located, and visited him a little while ago, a few years ago now, he. By the, I was talking to him about civility. And I wanted to know what their civility kind of programs might be. And he said, by the end of it, he said, would you join the board? So I, I did, and I haven't regretted it.
1: Mm. Well, sounds like a worthy cause. My brother's a high school teacher, so I'll definitely tell him about the organization. Perfect. Out in Colorado, uh, let's let's talk a little about when we met. We were both entrepreneurs, leading companies. Uh, what what company were you leading when you were the global president of what was then called, I think, World Entrepreneurs Organization?
2: Yes, I was the. I, I had two companies. One's called Practical Protocol. Which I started in 1990, so it's been going for a long time now. And still,
1: still operating. Still
2: operating. I've morphed it a little. When I when I uh, started it, it was logistics for dignitaries, and so I spent a lot of time on the road with uh, people that. Fam- My first client was Nelson Mandela. The Whoa. second, <laughs> the second client was the Pope, Pope John Paul II. And the third Even one was uh, president of Poland, Lech Walesa, who was famous for his shipyard speech uh, and and uh, solidarity in Poland against communism. Mm. So those were that was a kind of a nice way to start my first year in business, and it just went from there. I had a lot of trade delegations, ministers of health, ministers of transportation. We went to all the great U.S. companies uh, where they learned about our technologies and our, our products and services and things like that. So I spent a lot of time doing that.
1: So that was the company you were leading when you were in uh, WEO. Yes. Practical Protocol.
2: Practical Protocol. I was also at concurrently a Burger King franchisee. Right. And so that's that what came... I was fishing for a little bit. <laughs> that I came about that because I grew up in the business. My parents became franchisees when I was 15. And my mother was the first female Burger King franchisee ever Hmm. because at the time, um, very few women had credit in their name, which was a big challenge. And Burger King managed to figure out that that wasn't the main problem. And Hmm. so they they made her a franchisee as well, which was a unique experience at that time.
1: Do you still uh, check out fast food burgers once in a while just to kind of stay in the game and see what's innovating and who's hot and who's not? and.
2: Absolutely. Uh, we I still eat at our restaurants. We own. We sold the restaurants a number of years ago now, but we still own the land. Okay. And so, as the landlord, it's nice to keep up on what our tenants are doing. So I sample the wares. I want them to be successful because if they're successful, then we're okay. Right. And because uh, it all trickles up or downhill one way or the other, and uh, you know, make sure that they're keeping their product up to date.
1: So this isn't in my list of questions but now I'm, I'm hungry I guess <laughs> thinking about it after Burger King it's a given they're the best burger it's a given but is there a, a new burger that you're thinking wow that's really good or they're onto something or is it only is it only BK?
2: Well I had Shake Shack in Boston when I was at the Harvard program and I that was pretty good as I recall um, the other one that's moving east it's now to Texas I think is a California favorite which is in and out
1: probably my favorite Yeah,
2: so that's it that one's they do a really unique job and I think one of the things that we can pay attention to from a from a business standpoint is their customer service their attitude the people behind the counter are just really young and enthusiastic and they've created an environment there that's fun to work in for people it's not just the food it's the whole kind of
1: I actually read a book about that company I was so into it they only they only promote from within Mm -hmm. and you can't come in as like a senior manager you have to Work your, yeah, every, way up. Yeah, work your way up and I think I they used to only be corporate owned and that's why they I don't know if that's still the case because they are that's, in like Phoenix now I've been to one in Las Vegas mm-hmm um, They're but,
2: fa- they were family owned at yeah. the time I don't know if they still are a but woman
1: led it after her family died yeah, yeah. her parents died yeah
2: I'm mean, tragically yeah on a private plane exactly they, they down. yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's okay. a good lesson. So we could do a whole program on burgers, but maybe maybe we'll move on. So sure. let, let's back up a little bit. So you mentioned your, your parents, your mother, kind of um, being an innovator in terms of getting credit before others would. So was it always a given that you'd get into the family business or did you have the freedom to uh, tr- consider other things or was your path already set for you? Or talk about how you decided to become an entrepreneur and a business leader yourself.
2: Yeah, I think that what was sort of laid in front of me was the unique value proposition of an entrepreneur, both the risk and the reward. And so I, I feel like it was both from an attitudinal standpoint, maybe my own personal makeup, but definitely by the example that my parents put before me and taught us about taking ownership, being an owner, leading people. Um, the sort of the morality of it all. You know, your integrity is everything, that kind of thing. Responsibility, right. taking mm-hmm. responsibility. All of those were key components in how I approached my work. But I graduated from UCLA. I ended up in Washington, D.C. very quickly thereafter working on, um, for right. President so Reagan. Right,
1: so you didn't go to the business no. path right away. You worked in the federal government.
2: Yes, I did. And, but bring, bringing the skills that I had, because I worked every summer um, as part of my contribution to my college education. I worked every summer in the restaurants. I went through all the management programs. I worked every position in the business in my time. So I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't able to just skate through and come in and wave the flag that I'm an owner or something. I was an employee and I was just like everybody else and had to earn and learn.
1: Yet, you didn't go right into the family business. So talk about that decision to not continue after you did that training that Mm -hmm. you had to do, Mm -hmm. and instead you ended up going to the White House.
2: Yeah, I just I was interested in doing something different and learning from another skill set, learning from other people. My parents totally supported that. They didn't expect me to come right into the business, although I think they probably would have enjoyed that. But Mm -hmm. I ended up having opportunities in Washington right away, pretty much right away. And just sort of seize that opportunity and it was they were too good to say no to you know and what we found in in every case my si- my two sisters and i all worked outside of the family business for a okay. number of years before we came right. back into it
1: but they all came back in they both yes. came to him as mm-hmm. as you kind of returned into at least the real estate side
2: yes my sister came into it my middle sister i'm the oldest my middle sister came into it as a franchisee for on the border and um, Chili's Mm. with my parents. So she now has- You guys own
1: Chili's too? Yes, in Hawaii.
2: So you know, that's not a bad reason to go to Hawaii. I think think
1: we need to do the next podcast from Chili's on location in Hawaii.
2: (laughs) That wouldn't be too bad. And what's neat about that uh, framework there is that they put the restaurants all in the neighborhoods. Mm. So they didn't put them in the tourist areas and it's very loyal following in Hawaii for locals, yes and they really cater to the locals it's a it's a nice story they're a very well loved brand there
1: well i i, I like Chili's for years and years you know when i was an early young professional that was like the nice place to go you know and not just fast food mm-hmm. so i i still have fond memories and a, and a waistline to, to, to prove it but <laughs> um let's let's move forward a little bit congrats on the book Thank civility you. rules i'm excited about the fact that you focus on humility as one of the components of civility and this whole show leaders as humble as they are successful we've built a whole uh, program now and I can't believe our fifth season around people who are extremely successful like you but who are humble but too often I think folks aren't really understanding the role humility plays in good leadership Um, you you apparently have uh, come to that conclusion so can you talk a little bit about well, maybe first the book itself and then Humility. The book, uh, who is the audience? I know you wrote at the beginning, like, Dear America, <laughs> yeah. which is a, a, a nice audience. But, like, who, <laughs> who, 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 did, who did you think you wrote this for?
2: Well, I wrote it for myself, to be honest. So whatever that demographic may be, entrepreneur, independent person, woman, middle-aged, not middle-aged, you know, just active person, um, male, female, it doesn't matter. It's about... Um, owning your own personal practice of civility. So anybody who's interested in creating a more civil world, that's who it would be Which a lot of
1: people talk about needing that, but how do we really do it?
2: Yes, and and the premise, as I got into this subject, as I started evolving my thinking on it, I realized we can't change anybody else, you know? We we have, an individual doesn't have the capacity to insist on changing somebody, Hmm. but through our actions, that may, be all we need to do to influence somebody else to change
1: our own actions. Yes, it's like the old adage, you know, do unto others as you want done to you. Well, that's in the book yes. two Different versions <laughs> of that.
2: Well, in fact, um, I started looking at it, and I've, I've probably got you know three pages of the of variations on that theme of do unto others. Most people think it's biblical. It is for sure, but what it happens to be, as I researched it, is every culture, every Um, religion, every philosophy, world philosophy, has some version of do unto others. The golden rule.
0: The golden rule. And
2: it's just, it's astounding, it's it's both surprising and not surprising that that would be a core component of cultures that value relationships.
1: So you said the audience is really anyone who wants to improve his or her own practice of civility, but how do we actually do that? It sounds so esoteric but how can we put it into practice
2: well i took uh i used george washington's rules of civility as a baseline for this book i've heard of him (laughs) yes the founder of the country etc and at 16 he took a french etiquette book that was a hundred years earlier 200 years Older than he was.
1: Wasn't there like a religious connotation to that book? Maybe it's a Jesuit monk or something yes. who wrote it, or
2: yes, and it was for French nobles. It was to train young French men to be nobles in the court. Okay, and so it sounds very lofty and and also kind of exclusive, you know, in a way. But what what George Washington did with them by translating them into English and then sort of putting them into play in his own leadership roles was to uh, democratize them a bit and say, no, this is for everybody. This isn't just for highly educated members of the court. Mm -hmm. You know, this is for everybody. Yes, exactly. So I took those rules and some of them are funny because like I always quote, thou shalt not stand so close to a man so as to bedew a man with one spittle, which is (laughs) Kind of nice to it's not get on so. Yeah, Talk about
1: being a close exactly. talker like in the Seinfeld episode. Exactly. We'll modernize it. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Just Judge Reinhold. Vis- visualize that. You <laughs> yeah. know? And so that would be one example of a rule. But if I went through all of the rules, I literally took an Excel spreadsheet and divided them up and put put sort of said what is this rule really getting to what's the heart of this rule and it came down to about five different categories so if you to answer your question what is civility why is it important well it's about building trust Mm -hmm. it's about building relationships long-standing trusted relationships Mm -hmm. it's about earning respect Mm -hmm. and showing respect to others Mm -hmm. it's about humility it's about courtesy, which is and manners are a form of courtesy. But manners are also they change with the times. So manners could be different now than they were a hundred years That's ago true. or twenty years from now. Right. A good example would be with COVID. You know, our our manners here in a in a Western culture, in a U.S. culture in particular, is about three feet apart when you're standing, say, at a cocktail party or something. You stand approximately three feet apart. If you know the person better and you're and it's uh, loud or something, you might be two feet apart. Um, that's the comfort zone. Otherwise, people start backing up naturally. Um, but now with COVID, right, that all of a sudden it became six feet apart, became the, the the courteous
1: place. Even a more subtle example, COVID, I can understand, but I was always taught open a door for a lady, young mm-hmm. or old, mm-hmm. married or not married, whatever <laughs> the situation, car or house door. But now It's confusing, honestly, for us well-intentioned guys to know whether or not we should open a door for somebody. But I still err on the side of I think that's civil, I think it's humble, so I'm gonna keep doing that. So don't be mad at me if I open a door for you.
2: I love it. I think it's courteous to the person behind you. So forget the gender. For me, it's, you know, and now I just open the door for whoever's behind me. I I look behind me to see if somebody, if I can help somebody through the door, I say after you. And now that's, that gets a little confusing when I have a a story in the book about President Reagan and getting into an elevator and I was an advanced person. And so I, I, you know, we, it last in first out as Mm. advanced people, right? You know, good old LIFO, FIFO (laughs) for the accounting people. And, So I would get to an elevator and, Mr. President, after you, you get in the elevator. Well, he was a gentleman and he said, and this was a long time ago, and he would say, oh no after you Mm. and I know after you and and then the Secret Service would just say get in the elevator Shelby we'll work it out because it was easy then I had to scoot around him to get out to be in front to lead him to where we were going but he was always a gentleman he was always a gentleman so I it's I always say after you and sometimes there's a little scuttle for me at, at elevators and doors for people but look it's all about to me it's about being courteous to the other person yeah. and putting somebody else before yourself for sure and yeah. what a simple way to do that I know. you know it's not like you're giving up a whole lot
1: yet it's harder and harder to find in today's world <laughs> this is true so the book is written pretty much for anyone I know you wrote Dear America to it but you you kind of explained it more specifically you know I gave the book to somebody I'll be honest with you and when I was giving it to this couple Uh, The wife said, oh, I'm so excited to read it. But in my head I thought, and I didn't say it to her, but this woman is already so civil. So I was really thinking like, how do we get the people who need this book the most (laughs) to understand the tenets of it? And I don't know the answer to that, but maybe we have to have some modern TikTok 10 seconds at a time feed about this. I don't know, how do we have non-civil people read this important book about the rules of civility?
2: Well, that's a really good question because you kind of have to want to learn and grow. Right. So if somebody is uh, in civil and they are closed minded, uh, that's a tough spot to get to. So I guess the way. Um for me is to talk about what I tend to do with it is I talk about my personal practice of civility and maybe that gets somebody intrigued because it goes back as I wrote this, it really the overarching umbrella that I put to it was the, the umbrella of personal responsibility Mm. that what is civility? Well, it's our responsibility to behave civilly in this world, regardless of what anybody else does. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you have to be a doormat I, I had somebody write something. I, I'm not going to be a doormat. If somebody treats me poorly, I'm not going to take it. I, I, that's fine. But I think you can think about how you want to respond to somebody, and is responding in kind to incivility always the best way? I would say 99% of the time, the answer is no. That I can get a lot. It's the old get more with honey, you know. Um, that I by modeling the behavior that I want to see is the best way to go in most cases. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you can't be firm. That's, that doesn't mean you can't speak your piece, that, that you can't say right. what you believe. Right. But it's more about owning that instead of imposing an opinion on
1: somebody. Right.
2: So it's modeling
1: Me- the behavior. And you articulate something that I regularly talk about, meek is not weak. That's correct. They are not synonyms. And one can be non-weak and still be humble. Yes. Uh, you don't, you, you said doormat. <laughs> How about in your own life? Like, could you say you try to apply this to your own experiences? Yep. Have you had any adversity in your life? And if so, we don't need to delve into whatever that was, but <laughs> w- did you remain civil during the process? Yeah, and- Maybe a business dealing or a, a partner that didn't follow through on whatever he said he was gonna, wh- whatever the situation.
2: Yeah, yeah. I would say I have a mixed a mixed Mixed scorecard.
1: Yes. Well, you're a human being. I'm
2: a human being, and I I'm certainly much better, uh, if imperfect. I'm much better now since I wrote the book and since Mm. I delved into this subject in such a deep way, because I it's become a huge core value for me. Mm. Whereas um, prior to that, when I was a younger leader, when I was less experienced, maybe more insecure, um, all those kinds of things that you know. And then you'd feel those emotions come up when you get angry about something and it was really easy to just jump all over somebody.
1: sure is easy. Say,
2: well, how could you do that, you know? And so now I tend to try to apply those those things. How would I like to be treated? Yes. So I really have very few run-ins with people now and there are choices that we can make in this world too that, you know, it's not my job to to change somebody or to teach somebody else. It's my job to live the life that I believe is the life worth Hmm. living. And the it's bigger not your
1: job to teach. I like that. Somebody, excuse me for interrupting, but someone real important to me is frankly, a spiritual advisor to me is a Christian missionary. He said, um, the tenets of what we believe are sought, not taught. And there that's kind of like what you just said. Yeah. Huh.
2: We have to, I think by living it, by displaying it and not, um, in a, in an obsequious way not in a way that's just kind of gross right you know you just a way that that people go wow this that yeah, person really yeah. i really like how that person how carries behaves. Right, 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 and to behave that way and to model that that somebody might want to follow in those mm. footsteps and then i have now i have a book now i have a process now I have a model that we can go to to say what are the components of that and it's the showing of respect to somebody else even if they don't show you respect Mm -hmm. I mean what what an amazing thing to do unto others what an amazing thing when somebody's really treating you disrespectfully what if you came back with treating them with more respect than they deserve
1: well you even did it in tiny way this morning you know sharing with me when your uber was arriving you no one has ever before I've had a lot of people meet me at meetings in an Uber. No one has ever shared their Uber path with me, so thank you. it's mean, <laughs> so a, a tiny sign of respect. You know, here's where I am along, on my route. I'm gonna be there, I'm gonna be fine. Very cool.
2: <laughs> and I love the technology that we can do that in a, in a subtle way, right. that doesn't have to interrupt your flow or what I'm doing or that kind of thing. We just can communicate. That's that a great of jo- use of that, technology. Is that
1: one of George Washington's tenants, share your Uber? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, app with others yes be
2: courteous (laughs) enough to tell your host when you will arrive it's awesome yeah set pony express at that point
1: probably so it sounds like you feel people can improve on civility because I often ask if people can become more humble I ask our guests because often I'll have someone say to me hey I should be on your show I'm humble (laughs) And that's always like an immediate... The irony of it. No. Yeah, like, I don't say no like that. I'm civil. But if someone leads with, I'm humble, you know, it's a kind of a weird... Uh,
2: it's an oxymoron. Anti-sign. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like you do feel like people can become more civil or more humble. They're not just like God-given talents people have or don't have.
2: You no, know, it's a skill in a way. Uh, okay. Humility, there are people who are naturally humble. Right. But I, I think that... You can develop that skill if you are open to questioning how you live your life. Self-reflective. Totally, yeah. And there, you can journal, you can... You can be in groups that help you see that point, that and especially things like we talked about EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization, that went from YEO to WEO to EO. That was pretty
1: humbling to <laughs> lose the Y in our. You know, we exactly. were. Exactly. We both joined a group that we couldn't join anymore because yeah. no, we're not young. In, or I'll speak for me. I'm not young anymore. I'm not young anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. I think
2: I wasn't young when I joined <laughs> it. <laughs> so it's yes, I always say that. It said, well, we used to be YEO and we lost, we 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 weren't Y we anymore. We so Yeah. We embraced our yep. our age reality. But yeah, and that's humbling as you said so the but that kind of a group where we have forums and we get together and we use and I talk about in the book I think there's some really great skill sets there tools that Mm -hmm. we can use to keep ourselves humble to like for example Uh, asking questions instead of giving our opinion on something and that's a really great tool to use anywhere in any business in anything and it takes a lot of discipline to not just blurt out you should do this.
1: I like asking questions. Yes as a show host
2: <laughs> yes exactly there you go and so it opens up the conversation and so for me it's a funny place to be on these shows and to talk about my view my book my opinion my this right. it's a very awkward place but I've come become more comfortable with it because a lot of if you go back and watch this I hope you will find very few use and you shoulds mm-hmm. or they mm-hmm. or he or she but that I pr- I talk try to yourself. use the right. in my experience and I like to do this, and I believe this, and mm-hmm. own that. It's okay to believe something, and it may not be right. That's the humility part, is what I believe may not be right.
1: Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. may
2: be a better way, mm-hmm. but I believe this for some reason. Yes. So what is that reason? And that's what we can ask other people. Tell mm-hmm. me, especially in po- political discussions, yes. tell me why you have come to that conclusion. I'd like to understand your position better. Even if you, if you agree with it, And especially if you disagree with it.
1: I'm grateful that Calfee, Halter, and Griswold has once again agreed to partner with us. With offices in Ohio and Washington, D.C., this full-service national law firm focuses on all aspects of business and the law, including corporate and finance, intellectual property, and government relations. Let me be clear. I actually approach companies with whom I would like to partner. We just don't accept marketing dollars from anyone. I have been referring my CEO and entrepreneur friends to Calfee for years. I really believe in the firm. One of their notable practice areas is in mergers and acquisitions. And recently, for instance, I introduced a successful entrepreneur in the Midwest to Calfee when he told me that a European based conglomerate wanted to buy his business. Calfee works with large corporations as well as privately held companies throughout the US and Canada and in Europe and Asia too. So whether it's selling your own business, or the more routine needs of creating your first will, or anything in between, this firm can really do it all in terms of legal needs. Once again, the firm is Calfee, Halter & Griswold, and you can find them at calfee.com or on the Foundation website. Well, that reminds me of um, last night, I asked somebody who's close to you, uh, you know, what's a good question? I said, ask Shelby, and this person said, they've never seen someone as talented as you at relating to people with different kind of viewpoints or backgrounds, cultures, geographies, (laughs) lines of business. But she said you are so good at uh, I think the book talked about like build or breaking down the fences or breaking down the walls. So you have this innate (laughs) skill to do that. Um, Is that something learned or could someone get better at that? Because I think in today's world with um, the fast, it started with 24-hour news. Now it's 24 hours on our mobile devices. People get stuck in their echo chambers of agreement. Yes. And to me, that's one of my least favorite things of uh, growing up in today's world is being an adult in today's world is the echo chambers yes. and the polarization that that strengthens just by listening to people who only have the same view as you. For so sure. how do you think you got good at this as this uh, mutual friend of ours suggested <laughs> at, at breaking down these walls?
2: Well, thank you. I'm flattered that that would even be said because that's, um, you just, you sometimes just don't know about yourself. Right, you right. Know. Um, you know, some of it could be natural ability, but I think a lot of it was learned and and so you, honed. Do you try to be
1: like that? Maybe I
2: do. I well, I enjoy different cultures and I enjoy the differences in us. I rather than our similarities. And yet, what I talk about in the book is if you if you can't find what we what I like to do is to find a common place, a common space of what we do have in common versus what we don't. On the other hand, having been a protocol officer and traveled around the world with President Reagan as an advance to go to different cultures, we've been all over the world multiple times. And then as a leader in EO, visiting all the chapters around the world, that was my favorite part of any job was interrelating with people from other cultures.
1: Yeah, because all of those customers are CEOs of their own world. Yes. And then they were looking at you to be the leader of their group. So that takes yeah. a lot of, I think, um, ability to build bridges because you need to earn their respect. They don't work for you.
2: Right, Le- leading leaders is hurting cats, right? Oh so gosh. you have to kind of bring them together in one way or another right. by something that they are attracted to because it's not just that, you know, they're not gonna just run towards you necessarily. So for me, it was learning about them and understanding what makes them tick. And, you know, we talk, we'd have some icebreakers sometimes in our meetings like what's your superpower that's fun to know what people believe that in mm-hmm. themselves that's always a hard one for me to own too but you know i know what i would like to have as my superpower mm. if i could have any superpower well what that is that add. oh that would be the the ability to heal wow
1: you mean like physically? Yes. Broken arms or any Male hair loss. Male hair. <laughs> you could put hair on my head. Yes. Well, I hope you get I that superpower. Bless you um, and... <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? Answered yes. prayer.
2: Yes. Well, that would be neat. You know, I mean, flying or something like that could be cool. But if you could heal somebody mentally, physically, emotionally, wouldn't that just be? It would be beautiful.
1: When I um, convene leaders. Uh, I like these you call them icebreakers I like these questions that can be revealing and I found that the more honest I am if I like go first because no one wants to answer the question then it really opens people up so mm-hmm. I, I love doing that one of the questions I recently asked that people ended up really liking was uh, when is the last time you did something for the first time oh yeah and okay. now at 52 you know we're kind of get set in our ways maybe we don't try too many new things so that was a really good topic um, I don't know if anything comes to mind for you, but when was yeah. the last time you did something for ah, the first time?
2: This last weekend. What was that? Well, I have this friend, and he's kind of he's kind of famous, I guess. I didn't know he was famous when I met him, so we've been friends for a long time. His name is Guy Fieri.
1: Oh, okay. The Chef. Yeah.
2: And he's so, very famous. He's, I guess so, yeah. So I was. Uh, he invited me and his family to their ranch this last weekend over Chris over uh, Thanksgiving, and uh, I went up there for a day. And he, um, I ended up spending the night. But he, he taught me how to skeet shoot.
1: Oh, that's fun. Which was really fun. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, you know, I kind of done it one time a hundred years ago but for a minute and a half and so holding the gun and everything it was very interesting he's fine I finally he's like keep going I'm like my arms are tired so and I didn't really actually hit one of the clay pigeons no. but I but I got close I guess so yeah. who knows but it was fun that was new I, and different
1: when I took thanks for that answer on an impromptu <laughs> question uh, my wife and I went to a, a resort one time maybe it was like a birthday weekend or something and one of the activities there was a, 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 a skeet and trap range and mm-hmm. so we did that together for the first time, and she killed me with the scores. <laughs> and the, the guide at the end told us that women are often better than men beginners because they listen to direction. Okay. So this is me not being humble, I guess, <laughs> as I was like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm a guy. I've seen movies, you know, but she like, would do exactly what the instructor said. Mm-hmm. And she'd like doubled my score
2: oh my gosh I know that's amazing (laughs) so
1: pretty humbling but I needed that Um, back back to the um, agenda at hand here Um, you've mentioned President Reagan a couple times Mm -hmm. you mentioned uh, Mandela Pope John Paul the second I mean these were literally the most influential people in the world that you were spending time with can people in those positions be humble I know they can be civil we know that because we see them but can they be humble Oh, in
2: fact all of them were all of them were humble president reagan he he knew his skill he knew his power i guess so so humility isn't about being an amoeba you know it's not about having no backbone let's just say not it's not weak to be um, meek i guess meek not weak um he it's it's more about understanding your place in the world and understanding that no matter where you are in the world there's always something more you can learn and grow Mm. and so it's sort of in a continuum i think of it as a continuum if you're if you're you know an amoeba over here and you are a complete hubris on the other side. Um, we're, a humble person is somewhere in the middle of the mm-hmm. spectrum. They're, they're capable of learning something new and being open to that, but also have enough of their own sense of self that they can function in the world and be highly functioning and highly persuasive.
1: So if people in that role, with that power, I mean, the Pope oftentimes is considered like the most followed human being on the planet. Any Pope, because of just the following of the Catholic faith, if they can be humble, I would hope that all of us can be more humble in our own Mm -hmm. walks of life, in Mm -hmm. our modest, quiet situations that we find ourselves in. Yet, you know, with the ability to have screen names that aren't our real name and people kind of post things that are really bellicose and negative that someone else shared, it's just, it seems like we have a long way to go. So, can you write more books, can yeah. you post more, put more on LinkedIn, yes. go on more podcasts? <laughs> the world's That's counting fun. on you. No,
2: well, thank you, boy, the pressure. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it's about, but all of us, we can all do that, that's the point. This is something that we as individuals can take on and do. And you know, people ask me a lot about social media and the influence of social media in, in the, on incivility.
1: Right, in right. Well, it's like the antithesis of yeah. the civility rules.
2: Well, hate travels faster than love. It, it always has, and on the internet, it travels at lightning speed. Mm. And so I, one of, but one of the things that kind of occurred to me recently was that, you know, there is this thing called an algorithm. And we can, we can play the algorithm. We don't, it, it doesn't have to play us.
1: What do you mean by that? Well,
2: I don't have anything negative in my feeds. I don't have any, I don't post anything that's negative or controversial, I post positive. Me too. I, I, try, I, I try to put anything out there that is good and, and brings joy and ignites those joy juices, the serotonin, the dopamine, the oxytocin that helps us feel good about I the world. I love that, yeah. And I enjoy it, if I enjoy it and it ignites that in me, then I try to share it, whether I wrote it or not, whether mm-hmm. it's my origination mm-hmm. or not. It doesn't have to be me, It has. Mm-hmm. To, I just wanna share what's good out there. So what I've noticed over time is I don't have anything in my feed that's negative. I don't get emails, I don't get um, things when you scroll through Facebook and mm. I see my feeds, I don't get negative oh, feeds. Well, I see what you're saying, so
1: the algorithms is probably determining that you're not responding right. to things that others the find clickbait. polarizing or yeah, clickbait. Mm-hmm. That is smart. We had on the show not too long ago uh, Tim Shriver, who was the, the longtime chairman of the Special Olympics. His uncle was President Kennedy. This fellow, Tim, could do anything with his career, and he chose to be in education and then the Special Olympics. But right now, he's focusing some of his time on dignity. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like I'm asking you, well, how do you apply practically civility in society? How do you apply dignity? It's mm-hmm. another kind of big concept in it. uh, Forgive me for going long here, but it relates to what you're talking about. They're uh, creating a a technology so that when people post negative comments on Uh, articles they might read on Fox News or MSNBC if they post negative comments or reshare them with negative comments there's a a scoring system that adversely pushes their stuff down rather than up Mm -hmm. and I thought that was pretty interesting I'm not sure exactly how they're going to do it but it's a good goal and it kind of speaks to your um, hate travels faster than love uh, statement
2: so the, the the scary part for me there is the diff, one of the reasons I really would love people to embrace civility and to think about what they respond when they respond to something. It's okay to disagree. Disagreement is not a problem yes. in, my, in my world. Right. But healthy. It is the the negativity of the personal attacks and. Uh, smearing somebody or calling somebody names just because you disagree with them and you're an idiot or those kinds of things that just doesn't fly with me so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, this is the distinction and and it's so important why i think it's so important that we stay civil in our discourse is because of the ability to have free speech And the more, there's such a push. I mean, the discussion around Twitter, discussion around this, the social score that's in China that Mm -hmm. we do not need here. Scary. Is very scary because that can, they use that against people to monitor their movement. You know, and we, God forbid we ever come to that. This is what I'm trying to avoid personally. I'm trying to help society have more freedom of speech, more ability to say what you believe. We kind of
1: butted up against that with the COVID protocols a little bit. Can't yes. go to a concert if you haven't had your latest booster. Yeah, that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah,
2: all that. I mean, so freedom is very important to me. Freedom of movement, freedom of expression, freedom up to believe what you want to believe, and to say what you want to say. But we have to have responsibility with mm, that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's that. It doesn't. They come hand in hand. There is no disconnecting the two. Mm-hmm. So if we give up our personal responsibility for that, we give up our rights to it. <sighs>
1: Makes you, makes you uh, a little anxious about today's world when you hear your, cause I, cause you're right. That's, that's what makes us a little bit nervous. You've mentioned the Pope and, uh, president Reagan. Are there people in today's environment that you do look up to that you do get inspiration from, whether it's broadly mm. or in terms of civility? And I'm not talking about even political candidates. It's just any kind of human being in your life. Yes. And it could be someone who's not even famous, but anyone that, gets your juices going in the right direction in terms of like civility examples?
2: Yeah, you know, my, my father, my parents, mm. um, that's an easy layup there. Oh, good. <laughs> because they, they do a really good job of, um, of behaving in a way that they want to be treated, you know? I mean, uh, and over time, especially over time, it, it's been a really great inspiration for me. Mm. And I hope that it's been reciprocal, you mm-hmm. know, bringing joy to their lives as much as I can, because they're getting older, so I spend a lot of time with them. Um, But, you know, you said famous or not famous, who I just talked about, Guy Fieri, is a very good example of that. He's got a big personality. Right. He's uh, well-known. Huge following, yeah. Yeah, but I've been with him in circumstances where people are kind of rude. Like, um, they, you know, from a celebrity standpoint, they feel like they can grab at you. They can, you know, where they've literally grabbed his arm and it's kind of, Mm, you know, jarring. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, invaded his personal space and he deals with it really very well. Mm. Um, it, but it does get to you after Mm -hmm. a while. And so, but just knowing, knowing what I know about him and having spent a little bit of time with him, he's a very humble person Mm. and he's very grateful for the, the success that he's had. I think he's a perfect example of somebody who's humble in the sense that he knows where, what he brings to the table, Mm -hmm. but he, you should see him with kids. I mean, kids love him and he's Mm. out there. He's a big kid himself and he loves to games and things like that so he gets out and you know just tries to include everybody
1: so in addition to the celebrity chef and he sounds terrific any anyone else you're still in business are there other business people that you really think are doing it the right way or do you read certain uh newsletters of people you follow or i'm always interested in hearing how people continue to get inspired someone like you you know we're not at the finish there's no finish line in, in the game that we're playing so you know who inspires you right now
2: you know, I, and that's really, that's a short list probably in the big picture. Hmm. Um, I think Maria Schreiber, you talked about Schreiber, I, she has a newsletter that's very good. Okay. Um, and you know, having knowing that I work for President Reagan, there's a dead giveaway that I'm on the opposite side politically from her, but I think she puts goodness out in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like her newsletter, it's highly followed, mostly by women, but I think it's worth reading one way or the other. Okay. Um, there's a newsletter called 1440, Hmm. that is not um, any person ascribed to it, but it's, it's basically unbiased news and it's really quick.
1: 1440, 1440.
2: That's it stands for the, the printing press was invented around 1440 and there are 1,440 minutes in our day to make good on.
1: Hmm.
2: So, um, yes, and so it's just a quick, you know, minute or two read of the headlines of the day. So that kind of keeps out some of the bias that hmm. we get, the, hmm. the, you know, the words that come across from all the news networks that are right. that is biased. I I I argue. I when we talk about this with other people and somebody names one station over another, I say, look, I've been watching this, and my belief and my experience is that there's bias coming from just about every yeah. Uh, yeah. cable station.
1: Some acknowledge that they're biased, and others don't. Right, and that's what gets under my skin a little bit. <laughs> so we've mentioned uh, some of the people who inspire you. Do you ever think about? I mean, you're still young, but your own legacy and maybe who's following you or who's who wants to be like you someday do you ever think about that because you're in so many different environments whether it's business real estate I know your philanthropy work now you're an author of a you know Forbes published book (laughs) do you ever think about who you're influencing
2: well I have I don't have children personally and I but I have children in my life and I could you know take five minutes to name all of them and they all mean a lot to me my niece my nephews my goddaughters uh, and the children of many of my friends, you know, I I love them all, and I want them all to succeed in life. So mm-hmm. I try to bring them together. Um, there's a whole group of my friends' uh, children who live in San Francisco, and for a while I've been trying to get them all together for a happy hour, just so they could meet each other, because they're all amazing people, and they need. I I want. To, I like to convene people so that they can get to know each other. And to me, the same thing goes with that: is if we bring together people of different viewpoints and different cultures and different experiences that, mm-hmm. that we can learn and grow from each other. I don't want us all to be the same. Mm-hmm. I don't want my nephews or my niece or my goddaughters to to think they have to be lockstep like something. But I want to introduce to them a value system that's important to me that I I believe in. Mm-hmm. And if they, hopefully my behavior will show them that that's a good way to be. and might influence them that way and then they have to make their own choices and live their own lives
1: so these kids of your relatives and kids of your friends mm-hmm. follow you I suspect some more people are following you though to me even in peers peers who've seen you as a leader of leaders uh, the speeches you give you know the listeners at those speeches I know you're on some boards Mm-hmm. So this is you being humble right now, but I think more than just the. Uh, I see
2: you're, you're, you're making me get the clunt here.
1: Uh, well, it's 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 true, and uh, you'll never speak positively about yourself. But uh, you have a lot of followers, and uh, I've followed you for years <laughs> myself. So I'm grateful that you've you know, come to D.C. to be on this program with us today. Um, what are you most excited about going forward? You know, what's on the horizon? The book is out. Is out. Any new projects on the way or
2: yeah, we just published a book of, as a family. We put a little LLC together and made a little business for my my siblings and my cousins. We have okay. six of us involved in this. For it's called the company's called Cloud Country, which is a representative of, of my grandfather's legacy because he was a pioneer aviator. So he was the first to attempt to fly around the world solo
1: your grandfather was the first wow yes to fly around to try to fly yeah right
2: (laughs) so what what time frame is that 1932 okay wow yeah Lockheed Vega 1932
1: just after the depression
2: yes and he that was it was he wanted to help lift the world up so if there are maybe people listening who are familiar with Peter Diamandis Mm -hmm. who has Abundance 360 Singularity University He's an abundant thinker, to put it mildly. Um, he started XPRIZE with the idea that was kind of based on the idea of the early aviators and the early pioneer yeah. aviators, that, they, that companies put out prizes, yeah. private sector prizes, to inspire aviation innovation. and yeah. innovation yeah. to, to the move The DARPA faster.
1: challenge, MIT with autonomy now, yeah.
2: All of that That's kind good. of thing.
1: It's a good example of like private enterprise or private wealth for the public good exactly not like always government run but it's still Both,
2: and that's Peter's mantra. I mean, he's definitely an inspiration to me in that way, and I belong to his group, and Mm -hmm. I I love it because I'm a a futurist. I, I say I'm a futurist. I'm a student of futurists. I love to learn from these people and Mm -hmm, all the latest mm -hmm, technologies mm -hmm. and things. I'm like the AI
1: app we were talking about earlier.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I collect all that stuff, and I pass it on to people who I think might know, might need, might like to know about it. Right. Um, But so he would be an example, uh, you know, that we're we're constantly um, putting things out there and he so he was inspired by these aviation groups and that was my grandfather was part of that he wanted to bring hope to people during the depression and give them something to look forward to and aviators were rock stars they were bigger than celebrities
1: so what is this company doing
2: so we published a book called undaunted undaunted and it, it undaunted the first the story of the first a uh, true story extraordinary story of the first aviator to attempt to fly solo hmm. around the world and it's his True story, it's a, written like a novel.
1: This could be like a Netflix this special. This is what we're
2: hoping for. So anybody out there
1: okay.
2: <laughs> interested in helping us get that done, I'm more than game. That's what I'm working on right now, is bringing it to the screen somehow. That's and exciting. And working with, you know, I'd like to work with Lockheed. I'd like to work with who he was big with. He also was the engineering test pilot for the P-38 later in his career, wow. which was instrumental in World War II. Um, so you
1: have a, a family heritage of innovation yes. and risk, risk-taking, a lot of risk-taking. Yes, and I
2: feel his presence around me a lot.
1: Well, one thing we didn't talk about that I think is really intriguing as well, you have so much going on, is this global MBA for yes. entrepreneurs. So yes. can you briefly tell me why in uh, this society where we have so many schools and universities, I like the idea, but why did you think, you and your co-founders think we needed another way to get an MBA?
2: Yeah, in fact, I call it, we call it a new way to MBA for okay. entrepreneurs. I, I walked right into that. <laughs> you did, thank you for yeah. teeing that right yeah. up. Yeah. Um, entrepreneurs are a different animal and we often there's a you know there's a lot of great debate that goes on as to whether entrepreneurs are born or made but i believe entrepreneurs can always learn i mean even if you inherently have Mm. the the instincts and the drive that doesn't mean you know everything right and we you can get a lot of scar tissue uh, by making your own mistakes or maybe we can learn from others. So that's why things like the Entrepreneurs Organization is great because we can learn from others' experience with, and hopefully yeah. not make mistakes. But experience there's an academic sharing. desire to um, maybe have that accredited checkmark that you've been through an MBA program that sort of validates. Some people are doing it because it, they feel more validated so in their t- education. who's
1: typically going? Is it someone who's already in a business environment, mm-hmm. already an entrepreneur perhaps? Yes. That's the kind of typical student
2: yes um, we put cohorts together so we want peers okay in the, in the cohort so they can talk at, at the same level right uh, some may have more experience in one area than another but that's part of the beauty of it um, and it's how's a, it
1: going are you in your first class we already? have our
2: first cohort that's going to be graduating soon okay and we have graduate we also have a program that's called the uh, mastermind to MBA program that's a cohort based program it's a little over a year long We also have an MBA My Way program, which is an individualized program for somebody who needs to have their own schedule a little bit more. And um, that is, um, we graduated our first student a few months ago, and he's a raving fan. He's a great guy, um, and and he's a venture capitalist. And he just, he worked in Asia a lot and didn't have an MBA and felt that that was just part of the, the bona fides that he needed for credibility right, in right, Asia, right? And so that was what motivated him to get his MBA. But he does, you know, it's not that he didn't need it, but he learned a lot too. And but he also, we have a capstone program where you can. You use your own background and your own business to, as part of your curriculum and to apply it to the Are curriculum.
1: you one of the instructors?
2: I am one of the students. Oh, wow. I'm a student in my own you MBA program. You could be program. an instructor. Well, <laughs> most of the people in there, we do want our, our students to contribute in that way. And especially as alumni, we want them to come back and contribute to the cohorts to share their own experiences that way as well Mm -hmm. so thank you for the compliment i think that i have a lot to learn but i'm i'm enjoying being a student in my own
1: school well i have a lot to learn thank you for coming to our classroom called the (laughs) up to podcast Uh, the time goes so fast but shelby uh you've made uh me a smarter person by being (laughs) with us today so thanks thanks for coming
2: i'm humbled to be here thank you
0: Thank you for listening to the Up to podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe via your podcast platform of choice. To receive our newsletter, suggest speakers, and give your candid feedback, please email Adam directly at adam at uptofoundation.org. We would love to hear from you. The Up to podcast is produced by BLC Digital Strategies, a full content creator company located right outside of the nation's capital in Tysons, Virginia. See you next time.